Welcome to Mariner's Church Online. We are so glad that you're with us this weekend. We're gonna sing together, we're gonna pray together, and I'm gonna show us a video of some time I spent in our food pantry. And Mariner's, you're gonna love to see what you were a part of doing. And also, my good friend Doug Fields is gonna be teaching this weekend. It's gonna be incredible. This weekend? You're up, you're up. Did not know that. We'll have something ready. Excited that you're here. Let's worship together.
I love that. He laid himself down to raise the broken to life. And all of us, me included, all of us are broken and in need of new life that Jesus gives. Church, I am in the command center of our food pantry. And I wanna thank you, Mariner's Church, for your generosity. From the command center, 125,000 meals have gone out to different groups of people in Orange County who are wrestling in this season with food insecurity. And this has happened because of your generosity. 125,000 meals from here has been distributed. In this crisis we find ourselves in surrounding COVID-19, there are people who are wrestling with issues of food insecurity. There are kids who depended on school lunches for meals throughout the day. There are people who are wrestling with unemployment and homelessness and other financial insecurities. And so we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus into our community in this time. And if you would like to help, we want to invite you to join the team that's gonna help in the food pantry. You can volunteer and sort meals and put meals together. And if you need a meal, if this is a time in your life where you are not sure where your next meal is gonna come from, Mariner's Church wants to help you. And so you can come by our food pantry anytime from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Wednesday through Friday, and we will have a meal for you. And church, before my good friend Doug Fields comes to teach, I want us to spend a moment and pray for all of the people that we are serving from our food pantry, that as we serve a meal, that they will understand that God cares for them, that God cares for you, and that He is going to meet needs according to His riches and glory. Will you join me in praying for the people that we are able to serve? Father, I thank you so much that you do meet our needs according to your riches and glory. And I pray for those who are struggling with issues of food insecurity in this time that woke up today not knowing where their next meal would come from. Lord, I pray that you will provide for them. I pray that you will, as you always do, prove that verse to be true, that you are close to the brokenhearted, that you care for the orphan and the widow, that you press close to those who are in need, that you look at the humble and you care. And so we are praying now as a church for those that we are serving with our food pantry. Lord, we ask that you would bless them. We ask that you would care for them. We ask that as they eat the meal that we are providing, that they will be reminded that you do love them and that you do care. And Lord, I pray you will sustain them through this difficult time. I pray that you will hold them and care for them. And Lord, please continue to use our church to care for those who are in need. It's in your name that I pray, amen. Well, hey, Mariner's Church, how great was that? 125,000 meals. You know, when I was watching Eric in the food pantry, there's there three things. I was focusing on the cereal. There's a lot of cereal. I couldn't believe that whole pallet of muscle milk because I think I'm going to go down there as soon as I'm done uh, speaking right, a, right after that. And I, I love the fact that he's in a hat and sweats. And I just thought, how ironic is it that he's at church in a hat and sweats? Because for the last several weeks on the weekend, I've been at home in a hat and sweats watching him at church. As a matter of fact, I brought a picture of my granddaughter. This is us um, watching church on a, on a Sunday morning and um, super, super cute. Although when I go to sing, she's not real thrilled about that. And she says, no puppy, no sing, no sing. And, uh, you know, she's not even two years old and she knows that I don't have a very good voice. But as I was walking here just to be in the worship center to film this for, for you this weekend, um, I had just missed being at our church. You know, for those of you that don't know, I've been the youth pastor here. I've been speaking at Mariners forever, but I've been the youth pastor for the last several months. And I really miss watching our junior hires 
come into the youth building because if you've never seen it before, you need to see it because it's super fun, it's super cute. As a matter of fact, you should join me, come be on my volunteer team and be in the very center of God's will. But that's another message at another time. But these, these sixth, seventh and eighth graders, they walk in and they, there's just this amazement and wonder and curiosity. Some run in, some stroll in. Some of the sixth graders are so tiny and cute, you kind of want to put them in a basket. And they're like, hi, Doug. And then immediately afterwards, there's an eighth grader that you look up to and has a whole different, hi, Doug. And she's just as cute. Uh, so there's a lot of adorable stuff going on and I can't wait till we're all together. And I actually saw something this week and I thought, you know, when we come back together as a church, I think this is what it's going to look like. Watch this. I love it. I can't wait be, to be back together. As a matter of fact, I've already picked out my favorite face mask that I'm going to wear. And if you are a regular at Mariner's Church, you just have to know that um, we're in good hands. I mean, not only is Eric an amazing teacher, he's a fabulous leader and has doing, been doing such a great job. And we have an executive pastor. Her name is Beth Gannon. And she's, she's brilliant and she's godly and she's wise. And I am just so proud to be a part of, of Mariner's Church. And I'm also proud of Mariner's people, the way that you've responded and the way that you've just showed practical displays of love in, in our community. And great things are happening. Our teenagers are collecting food to, to put into the pan and uh, there's just good news happening and that's what we need. I, I, I know you're the same way. You're just tired of bad news and that's why this is so popular. John Krasinski's, uh, his, his Some Good News Network or no, Some Good News and the reason it's so popular is because we're tired of bad news and there's nothing bad on that. As a matter of fact, we were so inspired by this as a family that on Easter, just two weeks ago, my family, who we haven't seen my in-laws in about 40 days, we went over to their house and uh, we serenaded them with a song. Now, when I say we, I'm behind the camera. I'm filming so you don't have to hear me sing or dance. But uh, just welcome to the Fields family. Watch this. Hello from the I love it. And you know what? I've been talking to people that um, everybody's struggling with this. Last week, Eric talked about finding joy in the midst of sorrow and people are juggling their emotions. And as I've been talking to people, I've been reminded of two truths. One truth is this, is that crisis can actually crush people. We've seen that. A lot of people, uncertainty and fear, it's just kind of crushing them. But we also see this, is that crisis can actually change people. And I've watched that. I see people getting kinder and more loving and more servant-oriented and more neighborly. But here's what I also know to be true, and I almost didn't even want to tell you this, but I wouldn't be honest if I, if I didn't, is that we are actually forgetful people. So all the stuff that has been changing, all the good that's happening in our lives, for many of us, we're going to forget it. I think it's just going to be good, easy to forget all the good stuff that happens when we, when we come back all together. Now, speaking of all together, I'm standing on the stage that we're normally at when we're all together. And at this point, I would say something like this. I would say, hey, how many of you are forgetful? And you would raise your hand and I would be able to see that and we'd laugh and, and you'd be nodding like, I'm forgetful. How, you know, how does he know? that. He's, he's such a wise man. Well, the reason I know that is because I'm super forgetful too. I mean, just this morning as I get dressed, see what I do is I put on my shirt first before I put on my deodorant because if I put on my deodorant first and then I put on my shirt, I leave that little white mark that would embarrass my mom who has been dead for 10 years. But I, I, I put on my shirt first and then I do all the other hygiene type stuff. I, I brush my dentures and I put a little hair gel in. I blow dry my hair, which takes about five seconds. I put that stuff on my face to make my puffy eyes kind of disappear. I do, I do 
all of that stuff you're supposed to do. I, I trimmed the nine inch ear hair that appeared out of the middle of nowhere. And then I get to the end of that time and I think, did I put deodorant on or not? And I have to reach under to check. And I can't tell you how many times I have forgotten that. And that's just at the beginning of the day. And there are other times where I'll do something like this. I'm like, hey, has anybody seen my cell phone? Does anybody know where my cell phone is? And then I realize, like, oh, it's, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you're not as forgetful, but I am a forgetful person. Here's what's worse, is that I am also spiritually forgetful. I'm spiritually forgetful too. See, I have been a follower of Jesus and his teaching since I was a teenager. And I can honestly say to you that I have experienced hundreds, if not thousands of God's blessings. Like God has, has showed me so much favor and I've received so many blessings from him. I've seen that God is good and that he's personal and that he's, he's powerful and that he's wonderful. And I can't tell you how many times, probably a day, I say this. I say, God is good. I say that all the time, but then bam, adversity hits. Crisis comes into our world. This pandemic appears and, and all of a sudden life gets, gets chaotic and my 401k drops with the stock market. I lose about uh, 30% of my, my income for the year because I speak a lot. And as a speaker, everybody canceled all of that. And what happens is this, this door of uncertainty kicks open and fear comes just charging in. And here's what can happen if I'm not careful. This idea that God is good can change to God is good. God is good. And it, and it becomes a question. And maybe you felt that way, that you kind of forget God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's power in your life. And, and if that has happened to you, just know that you are in a long legacy of people in our faith that I, I call what they have spiritual amnesia. They just forget of God's goodness. If, you, if you've never read about in Exodus where Moses is leadership and the Israelites and how God keeps showing up all the time and they just, you, I mean, you read it and you go, how can these people be so stupid? And then you realize, oh, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm one of these, these people. And that's why we're in this series, Fear or Forget Not, that in, in Psalm 103, it, it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, which we have a song about that. Bless the Lord, O my, I won't sing it. Uh, Poppy, no sing. Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his, his benefits. And as a people of faith, one of the things that we're called to do is to not forget, to remember. I mean, think about it. That's what communion is. Why do we celebrate communion? Because we don't want to forget what Jesus did on the cross as a payment for our sins. And last week, Eric started the series on teaching on, on Psalm 16, where you're going to have joy in the midst of sorrow. And, and this week's forget not comes from Psalm 46. And in Psalm 46, what happens is uh, scholars are kind of all over the place on this one. They can't agree on what particular historical event the psalmist is writing about. The Psalms were written over 900 years, but you don't have to know the exact historical context to understand that this psalm was written to God's people in the midst of crisis. Okay, so Psalm 46, we're going to start with verse one. Read this with me. God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. <laughs> now, the only thing wrong with this psalm, in my opinion, is that, I mean, he, right out of the gate, he throws away the punchline because this is the whole forget not. This is the thing that we are, we're not supposed to forget. I would have just done one verse. I'd just say, you know, Psalm 46 would have been a one verse song, throw a jingle on it, make it real catchy. It's a one verse wonder because this is what we don't want you to forget. Now there's other verses and we're gonna look at some of those, but they're all really secondary to this thesis statement that God is our refuge. Now, what is a, what is a refuge? I mean, a refuge is that place of safety, that place of, of security. It's where you go when you're wounded or hurt or afraid. I mean, think to when you were a child and you're playing in the front yard and you get hurt, right? You're hurt, you're crying, you run in the front door and who do you yell for? You yell for mom because mom in a traditional family is, is the person of refuge and security and strength. Nobody yells for dad, why? Because dads don't care. 
right? My, my dad would say, shake it off, rub some dirt on it. I'll give you something to cry about. You know, and moms, moms are this, this picture of, of security and refuge. The theologian preacher from the 1800s said this, Charles Spurgeon said, others want their castles placed on strong rocks and secured with iron gates. Like we want this sense of, of physical safety and be protected. But God is a far better refuge than these. And that's what the psalmist is saying. God is our, our refuge and our strength. And he uses the word, let's go back to the first verse. He uses the word always. Always our refuge, meaning that God doesn't tire. He doesn't expire. He doesn't go away. Now, the Psalms are in the Old Testament. You move to the New Testament. We have a picture of this when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. And if you don't know it, the son basically asks for his inheritance early. He just throws the dad to the side. He goes and he wastes all his money, he blows it. He bottoms out, okay? He loses everything. And he, and he goes back home to a place of refuge. Now, Jesus is describing a picture of God. And notice what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 15. He says, so he returned home, this is the son, to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father, this is the, the God character that Jesus is telling the story, the father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. This is the picture that God is our refuge, our, our loving father, always available for, for us. That, you know, for many of us, what we do is we look for other options of security, but they don't pan out. And instead of turning to God, we look for all these other things that we think are going to make us more secure, but, but, but they don't. All right. Now, let's go to Psalm 46, verses 2 and 3. So he continues in the psalm. Remember, verse 1 is the one we don't want you to forget. Verse 2 and 3. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Now, what, what's happening here is the psalmist is writing about some natural disaster and some natural chaos. I mean, these are actions that are, that are outside of our control. I mean, it almost feels like Southern California, if you think about it. If you threw in... Um, if you threw in wildfires and coronavirus, you're pretty much describing us right, right here. But he says, in the midst of all this crazy stuff happening, watch, we will not fear. <sighs> Easier to read than actually to live out, right? I mean, we know this for people of faith. We're told all throughout the scripture, fear not, do not be afraid. Why, why is that a common theme of the Bible? It's a common theme of the Bible because forgetful people actually become fearful people. So we, we've, what we do is we forget God's faithfulness in the past. And when you and I forget God's faithfulness in the past, what happens is we become fearful in, in the present. And what I've learned in my own spiritual journey is, is this. The strength of my fear reveals the depth of my faith. The strength of my fear, when I'm real, real afraid about things, it actually reveals the shallowness of, of my faith. See, I, I move into a place where I don't see God as my, my refuge and my strength. And so instead, what I do is I turn to worry or fear, and those never promise to be very good options. Okay, so we've read verse one, verse two and three. Let's look at what verse four and five says. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed from the very break of day. God will protect it. Now, what you've got here is you've got a little bit of a, a change of tone. It, the psalmist is painting a picture of, of God's presence. He's not talking about natural disasters anymore. He's actually talking about a peaceful river, a peaceful river that flows from the house of God and distributes joy and security everywhere it, it touches. It says the sacred home of the Most High. Sacred home of the Most High. He's, he's talking about God's residence, specifically Jerusalem, either the temple or the, the tabernacle. And, and it's, it's the tabernacle and the temple was a symbol of God's presence with his people. And the psalmist is saying, as long as you're in the presence, as long as you're in the presence of God, you're, you're, you're safe. There is no fear to those who dwell with God. Now, again, 
Psalms are in the Old Testament. We move to, to the New Testament. This picture changes a little bit in the New Testament is that God's dwelling, God's presence is not in a building, the temple or the tabernacle. God's presence is in, is in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says this, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God, what? Lives in you. The spirit of God lives in you. So when you stake your life, when you put your faith in what the redeeming work that Jesus did on the cross, God promises to indwell you, to live within you with his, with his spirit. Romans 8, 11 says it this way. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So two weeks ago, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. The power that resurrected Jesus actually lives in you. That's the dwelling place of God. So what the psalmist is saying, he's saying, hey, everybody, step back. Step back and take a look. The world may be totally chaotic, but God is your refuge. And there be some things out there out there that are super fearful, but God is your refuge and your strength. Now, you can read the rest of Psalm 46 on your own. It just kind of repeats itself a little bit with some, some of these themes. Here's kind of the big picture themes is that there's two ways to go. You can find chaos in the world or you can go after confidence in God's power and in his presence. So he's saying life is unstable, but God is stable. Life brings insecurity, but God is secure. And then you get down to verse 10 in Psalm 46 and it says this, love of this. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I know some of you are sitting there going, Doug, I know that one. I've heard that one. I've got it on a, a cup. It's hanging, it's hanging in my house. It's super popular. Why? Because it resonates with everything that we long for in our life. That we want to, in the midst of all the chaos and the craziness, we want to slow our lives down and we want to be still and we want to recognize that God is God and we're not. I mean, that's why we love to come here and worship collectively. We kind of hit pause on the busyness of our, of our life and we recognize God for who he is. So based on what the Lord has done in, in the past and who he's described to be as our refuge and our strength and where he dwells on a daily basis today, you and I can be, be confident, okay? We can be confident of this, that I can be secure in God. Okay? Based on what we know from, about God from his word, what we sense from the presence of his spirit, that, that he's got you, okay? There's, there's nothing that you can do that'll take away that security that you have in, in, in God. He's got all the craziness too. I don't know how it's all gonna pan out, but, but he does. Okay, here's why I want you to get this. And I don't care whether you're a teenager or you're an old person. Because if you and I, we don't live in the shadow of sensing that we're securing God, what happens to us is we actually don't live the preferred life that, that God has for us. So I, I view it kind of like this. When insecurity hits, this is, this is how I feel at times. Unstable, off balance, and afraid. This is, this is not a good picture of life. Uh, this is like what you, what you feel like when you walk through a haunted house or, or actually when you walk through the field's house. We live in the perfect scary house. There are five spots. There's five in the field's family as we were growing up um, that I could scare you at the front door. You walk in 10 feet. Somebody's going to jump out of the coat closet, scare you. You turn the corner to go into the kitchen. Somebody's going to scare you around the corner. Then you get to the end of the hallway and there's two places. We can, we can actually add another. There are two places you can be scared. If you turn to the right to the kitchen, somebody pops out from behind the counter. All that to say, we love to scare people. We've done it all the time. And we, I, it's like every week somebody is walking through our house with this picture of being unstable, off balance and afraid. And when you parallel that to life, nobody wants to live life that way. I, I've also found this too, that when I'm insecure, I'm, I'm doubting and defeated. And as a matter of fact, this, you know, these words describe me the last, I don't know, the last week or two. I have been dreading this teaching, okay? I haven't been dreading the teaching because I don't like to teach the Bible. I love to teach the Bible. I've been dreading this teaching because I like people and there's no people here. 
there's camera guy with a face mask and gloves that I can't even see, okay? So I like people, so I've invited my family. My family's right, right over there. I just need, I need, I need, I need people here. I was telling my wife as we were driving here, I said, I feel like, I feel like I'm a singer and this is forcing me to dance, to like speak to a camera with no audience. And, and then I notched it up a little bit. I said, I, like, I'm a rapper. I'm a, I'm a rapper and I have to do ballet. So, but anyway, I have been doubting whether I can do this, whether, I mean, and, and then here's the thing that happens. When doubt enters in, defeat enters in, it just gives birth to insecurity. And you know what adds to insecurity? Oh, I've experienced this, is comparison. That over the last five weeks, I mean, if you've been watching, you know that Eric is a total pro at this, that he just makes it look so easy. He, I, he must have a photographic memory because he has no notes at all, and he's just a great teacher. And then last week at my house, one of my kids said, Eric looks so good on TV, like he looks so young. Oh, great. Okay. I don't, I mean, he is, he is younger, significantly younger than me. Plus he didn't grow up in Southern California, so he hasn't contracted sun damage. All right. I mean, you could play tic-tac-toe and connect the dots with this, this sun damage face. I've actually had people who make leather furniture ask if they could borrow my face. All that to say HD TV is not good for my face, but here's what happens when you compare. Every time you compare, you lose. Okay, that's just the truth of life because you compare everything you know about yourself to what you, you really don't know about the other person. But comparison actually, you know, now that I think about it, it should be comparison to the, to the second power, the third power or whatever, math is impossible, uh, times something equals expanded or amped up uh, in insecurity. See, insecurity happens when everything is about me and I take my eyes off of God and I, I, I maximize me and I minimize God. So what I hope you're thinking is this. I hope you're thinking, well, Doug, I live with insecurity, but how can I have security? I mean, how can I have the knowledge of that security in the midst of my own insecurity? And I'm glad you asked that. I want to move us to some things that I've been kind of thinking about and wrestling with this week as I've been kind of trying to really hang on to God as my refuge and my strength. And, and they're kind of in action-oriented words for you to experiment with this week, okay? First is this, is to absorb God's promises. And I, I wanted to use the word meditate here because I think meditate is a good word. But when you use meditate, some people think of like, you know, chanting and incense and cross legs. And, but what I mean by is, is meditate, chew on, ruminate, ponder, think about. Basically, don't forget. Don't forget that God is your refuge and your strength. I mean, we're only, we're only taking a look in this, this series called Forget Now. We're only taking a look at six Okay, six. That doesn't even scratch the surface of the hundreds that are in the Bible. And I created something for uh, teenagers at Mariners because I, I love them more than you. But if you were to join our youth ministry volunteer team, I'd love you uh, just the same. Anyway, it's, a, it's an app. And it's an app with... Um, 365 of God's promises. It's free. The information is on the screen of how you can get it. You can get it too. But what I tell teenagers is... Every time you open up Instagram, however much time you spend on Instagram, I, I'd love for you to just, you know, I, and I like Instagram, nothing against Instagram. Uh, Instagram is fun, but Instagram always make, I mean, if you want to feel bad about yourself, it just ignites all this, this insecurity. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, I won't make you feel insecure unless, unless you have an ugly grandchild, okay? And then that's, that's on you. Uh, but when I, go to, when I go to Instagram, I'm just always feeling like, oh, like, like for example, uh, like, this, like why even try, right? Like why even try to work out? Because look at that guy. He's older than me and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Okay, I, I, can't, I can't get there. Or how about this one? You know, last week, Eric was talking about the phrase, the Christian cliches, too blessed to be stressed. And people put their quiet time on there and the Bible and journal and pens and their memorization. I mean, nothing against that, but people are so stressed right now. Those of you that are homeschooling and you're sending your pupils on suspension and they're reporting their teacher for drinking. I mean, it's crazy times right now. And sometimes you look at that and you go like, I am so stressed. Or how about this one? This is the one that's getting me because 
the Fields family is running out of toilet paper. And I don't know that, you know, the coronavirus causes diarrhea, but it sure seems like everybody else thinks it, it does. And I, I, I just know, let's put it this way, before the coronavirus, I used to pull that toilet paper off the deal like I was playing Wheel of Fortune. You know, now it's like I'm cracking a safe and just, and, and anytime you want to feel bad about yourself, just go to Instagram. And here, here's the truth. The truth is this, when you absorb God's promises, you will increase your security, okay? You will increase your security when you absorb God's promises. So take them in, read them, let them sink into your soul and swirl them around and be reminded that God is your refuge and your strength. So we absorb God's promises. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to connect with God's people, okay? Now, if, if this stay-at-home quarantine hasn't you know, reminded you that you need people. You've been watching way too much Netflix and not thinking deeply enough. That you and I, we were created by God in our DNA that we need other people. That when you become a new creation in Christ, like 350 of you did two weeks ago at Easter, you became a new creation in Christ. Here's what you need to understand. Other people are important to your sanctification which is the process of you becoming more and more like Jesus. And friends, I know Mariners is a big church, but we have so many ways to make it feel small and for you to be known. And I know right now what the norm is, is that social distancing is the norm, but social connections is, is the need. Why is connecting with other people so important? Because if you have some insecurities, think about this. If God's spirit dwells in you, why wouldn't God's spirit know what I need as your friend? That I need that encouragement or that empathy or that uh, the presence. That God's spirit in you knows what I need. And so we need one another to grow spiritually. And if you're not in a life group, I, don't, I mean, if this whole thing hasn't pushed you to want to connect with other people, I don't know what you're waiting on. If you're not in a life group, let us help you. We are starting new life groups every single day. And the information is on your screen to, to text to it. And, we're, and if you started one that we don't know about, let us know that one too, because we can resource you and help you take it to an even better, better place. And we want to help you. We want to help you do that. Because if there's a second wave of this, which I obviously hope there is not, we just need people badly, okay? So absorb God's promises, connect with other people. And lastly is find a daily time to be still. Remember verse 10, be still and know that I am God. In some translations, it doesn't say be still, it says cease striving, which I like, I like that picture as well. That, you know, if you're at home, you are creating kind of a, a new normal. And this is the perfect opportunity in that new normal for you to develop some new habits, some new habits uh, that will help you transition your fears from yourself onto the refuge of God, that will help you um, take your focus off of yourself and put it on to, to God, to be still and know that he is God. See, when we do the Instagram or compare our lives to other people, Everybody looks better from a distance. But with Jesus, Jesus looks more beautiful and he looks bigger up close. And when you are still and know that he is God, he begins to do something in your life that just makes your, your life a, a richer, more loving, more peaceful, more secure follower of Jesus. I have a friend, his name is Mark. He's one of those people. This is Mark Beeson. He's a pastor at a really great church in Granger, Indiana. And in September, he was diagnosed with stage three pancreatic cancer. And I heard about it from one of the staff. I've spoken at his church a bunch. And, and I texted him this. I said, um, I'm your biggest fan in Orange County, cheering you on to Jesus right now. Much love, my friend. And I don't normally write my name to a text. I just didn't know for sure whether he had it or not. So I let him know, Doug Fields. And then he says this, right back. Dude, God's got this. And I love that you are with me cheering his great work and redemptive love. You're a good man, thank you. And I just, God's got this. So I said, 
Well, that's what I would expect you to say because he lives that kind of life. God's got this. And he says, oh yeah, I shortened the sermon to the cliff notes and the basic theme is God is awesome, so I'm following him. How great is that? God's, God's got this. Now, those words come from a place of, of refuge and strength. It doesn't mean he's not afraid. It doesn't mean he's not insecure over the whole thing. He just knows who is his security. And that's the difference that Jesus makes in the life of someone who is, ceases to strive and is still and is just reminded that God is God and, and, and you're not. I just spoke at his church a couple months ago and he's doing pretty good. And I kind of had this fictitious conversation in my mind. I mean, that was the actual text messages. But the one that went in my mind went like this. It said, I would say, Mark, you sure have more faith than me, which is true. I really think that he does. But when I say that, he, he might say this. No, I just have more experience with a faithful God. Friends, we have the opportunity to have more experience, more time to be still with that, that faithful God who is our strength and our refuge and is always willing to help in that time of trouble. I don't want my life to be crippled by insecurities and I don't want that for your life either. So as a matter of fact, as I was driving over here, I thought I didn't put them in this order, but if you want to remember them, they're ABCs, absorb God's promises, be still and connect with other people. Try that this week. Try the ABCs and see what happens to your faith. As a matter of fact, I think this might happen. I think you might go from God is good to God is good all the time. I can't wait to be with you again. Jesus, may we not be the same people when we stop watching this. May we be different because we're reminded of your refuge and your safety and that you provide security into the life of a believer, that you are always willing, that you're not distant, that you're always willing to infuse yourself and dwell in our lives. Thank you for your love for us that is not based on our performance or our past, that you love us because we are your people. And for that, we're thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. He is good. Even when we don't see him working, he is still good. And Mariner's Church, I wanna pray for you and pray a prayer of blessing over you that this week you will sense each moment his goodness towards you. Will you extend your hands and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, I pray for your sons and daughters. I pray this week that you will bless them. I pray you will keep them to yourself and cause your face to shine on them. I pray that once again you will prove faithful as you always do, that you are the helper who comes to us in our time of need. So, Lord, stoop low to my brothers and sisters who need to sense your help this new week. I pray that you will be their refuge, the strong and sturdy one to which they can run. And so, Lord, bless your sons and daughters this new week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.